We are Centrepoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Good morning and welcome to church. I'm so pleased that you've streamed in to be with us this morning. My name's Chris and along with Phil, I'm one of the elders here at the church. And it's just, isn't it great to be able to be together on a Sunday? I absolutely love football. I love playing football. I love watching football. And um, just imagine the scene where you're in the stands with thousands of people. Won't that be a joy again when we can do that? Imagine you're, you're watching there and you're, you're, you're with your mates and you've got everyone chanting and, and cheering and you're, you're in the first half. And what happens is that you look down and coming out of the dugout is the manager and he looks up and he points and he, he, he says, right, you, you and you, you and your friends, you're going to be playing the second half. At that moment, everything changes. You are absolutely passionate about what's about to happen and the whole view of the game changes suddenly instead of just cheering and watching your team you're you're now looking at it in a different way you're looking at what positions people in your team are taking and and what positions their team are taking and how you can exploit that you're you're probably stretching and limbering up getting ready making sure that you're you're ready for the game You've got so much to live for in the second half and you have been set apart to do a job that is different to those around you. You know, Daniel is a book of two halves. The first half is really how to have faith in a real world. Daniel, as we've seen, kind of shows us how to live in in this life, in this world and have faith and to honour God and to trust him in it all. And then as we get into chapter seven, which we'll do in a couple of weeks time, it transitions and and Daniel looks into the future and the hope that we have in God. Everything that we do in the first half of life in this side of death, it, it matters because we have been set apart for God. And if you are a Christian, if you've put your trust in Jesus, then the same is for you. Far from just becoming a Christian life kind of ticking on as it always has. No, you are set apart for a different purpose. And in the book of Daniel, we see how we can live in the first half, but then also all the hope and joy that we have to look forward to in the second half. And so as we get into Daniel chapter five, which is what we're going to be reading today, Nebuchadnezzar, who we've been hearing a lot about over the last few weeks, he's died. And after him, six other rulers have come, not leading for too long each. And at this point in Daniel chapter five, Nabonidus, he is the ruler over Babylon. But Nabonidus, he is, he's left, he's gone off to Arabia because the Medes and the Persians are, are all camped around Babylon. They are getting ready to invade. And what Nabonidus has done, he's left his son Belshazzar in charge. He's like the prince regent, the, the second in command, as it were. The Nabonidus cylinder, which were discovered recently talk about all this history and you can find out more on, on Wikipedia about that but part of the Nabonidus Sidia one of the inscriptions says this may you present a lifelong of days for me but as for my son Belshazzar my eldest son instill reverence for your great godhead in his heart and may he not commit any cultic mistakes 
Well, as we're about to find out, he certainly does that. He commits many mistakes. And um, as we get into this book, we're going to see that the Medes and the Persians are all camped around Babylon. He's in charge, but far from really handling the, the pressure and the issue, he's in complete denial. So let's read uh, chapter five. We'll start at verse one. King Belshazzar, that's Nabonidus' son, gave a great banquet for a, a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, his, his ancestor, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. So that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood and stone. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. This is where that saying, the writing on the wall, comes from. It's right here, Daniel chapter 5. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale and he was so frightened that his legs became weakened. His knees were knocking. This is really a polite way of saying that he had an involuntary bowel movement. He pooped his pants. The king summoned the enchanters, astrologers and diviners. Then he said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Third highest because you've got Nabonizer, then Belshazzar and then that person would be the third highest ruler. As is the case throughout the whole of Daniel, the wise men are encouraged to come in and to interpret a dream or a vision or, or in this case, the writing on the wall. But just as in all the cases in the past, the wise men are dumbfounded and are unable, they're perplexed, unable to uh, do this. And so the Belshazzar's mother comes in and says, hey, remember Daniel? Why don't you get Daniel? Because he did that for Nebuchadnezzar. Perhaps he can do that for you. At this stage, Daniel's actually now quite old, whereas in chapter one, he was maybe 20. Now he's much more like in his 70s uh, and ready to do this. So going down to verse 17, it says this. Daniel answered the king, you may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Your majesty, the most high God, gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor because of the high position he gave him. All the nations and peoples of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like the ox and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the most high God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. This is what we heard about last week, Nebuchadnezzar being humbled and coming before God and praising him. But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself. Though you knew all of this, instead you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines drank wine from them. 
You praise the gods of silver and gold, bronze, iron, wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honour the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written. Mini, mini, tekel, parson. And here is what these words mean. Mini, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then, at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple, a gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. So, at the end of that passage, we see that Belshazzar, the king's son, is destroyed, and Daniel also known as Belteshazzar, was honoured and given that third highest place in the kingdom. As we read through that passage, we're meant to contrast those two people, Daniel and Belshazzar. You know, Belshazzar, he is foolish. Throughout the passage, he seems to be mocked, first by the craziness of throwing a party in the midst of the army being camped around him in that midst of invasion. He's got all the wine and the food and he gathers all the people and he's lavishing it with gold and splendour and it's ridiculous. He's also obviously a, a bit of a wet fish. He's, he's quaking in his boots. He, he poos himself. And then his mum has to come in and take the control and encourage him to then gather Daniel. What Belshazzar did was he trusted in treasure. As Daniel says, he praises the gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, stone and wood. And none of these things see or hear or understands. He makes a mockery of, of the God who, who holds everything in his hand and, and is able to reveal himself to people just like he's done throughout the whole of this book. Belshazzar thought that to be more is to have more. It's very similar to our culture today. If I want to be more, then I need to have more, more status, more phone, more car, more job, more relationship. Belshazzar was all about the glitz and the glam, drinking out of the sacred wine goblets, splashing his cash. And all his advisors there, right there with him in denial, enjoying the festivities, even in the midst of total annihilation and destruction. You know, sometimes we can think of those things. If I just upgrade my house, my phone, my car, my status in some way, then I will be more. That is what our culture tells us in lots of different ways as, as the new iPhone is going to come out. And oh, well, if you just had this, then you could be more. This story just shows the futility and fragility of that nature of thinking in the face of this trial and danger. The mute idols of in his life were deafening in their silence. Within 24 hours, it was all taken away. You know, there's a story that I heard recently about a warrior who had been in battle and he had escaped and he was by himself rummaging through the woods, through the forest. He was starving and thirsty. And after three or four days, he came across an apple tree. 
when he found the apple tree, he took a bite and, and he thanked life and thanked God. And he was so grateful for this wonderful apple. And then as he took the second bite, he, it was just a little bit less grateful. And then the third bite and then the fourth and fifth. And, and then he got to the by the time he got to the 10th apple, well, really, he was sifting them in his hands and chucking away the, the ones that were a bit brown and, and just kind of not really too fussed. He had started to take it for granted. In economics, this is called the law of diminishing marginal utility. We know it as diminishing gratitude. That 10th apple effect can so easily be in our lives and we can take for granted all the things that are around us. But, you know, there was nothing wrong with that 10th apple. There was nothing wrong with what he had. What was wrong was with the person enjoying the fruit. The more we are grateful for those things that we have, the more that we'll have to be grateful for. The difference between Daniel and Belshazzar was that King Belshazzar took his kingdom from granted. He took all the things that he had for granted. He, he didn't trust God or praise him. Instead, he mocked him and he ended up being completely destroyed. He worshipped the material things of gold and silver, that you know, the cars, the houses, the status, the things that we have in our lives. Whereas Daniel, the exile, who was captured as a slave, who, who had sometimes little, lacked lots and sometimes abundance. Actually, he was grateful to God for all that he had. And at the end, rather than being destroyed, actually, he was honoured. He was grateful to God for everything he had, even in the face of trials. We're going to hear next week how he was thrown into the lion's den. And even then, he is trusting in God. Daniel learns to love God and trust in him, not in the treasure that he might have around him. In our lives, sometimes when those things in our lives are threatened, our, our, our jobs, our cars, our, our homes, our, our health, we can be even more frightened than Belshazzar. These things can rock our word in a, in a surprisingly big way. And sometimes we can confuse the gift for the giver. We can think that the gift is the thing, that the house, the job, the car is the thing to be loved and cherished. And actually, we need to remember and consider the ravens. God feeds them and how much more valuable are we to them? Just like we heard right at the very beginning of this series. Don't be undone when your resources are threatened. Instead, trust in God. Trust in him, not in treasure. For a long time in England, we've been having that 10th apple effect in our life. It's been so easy for us to take the abundance of things that we have around us for granted. Bus drivers, parks, shops, teachers, restaurants, government, health, food, shop workers, even taking our neighbours for granted. You know, for many of us, we've chatted so much more over them and we take it for so much joy when we just have that conversation over the fence and we catch up and we go on the, the street WhatsApp or um, we're, we're able to get on that bus or that tube or, or the, the um, yeah, we're able to do things. It's so good. We, we kind of are remembering all the things that we can be grateful for. You know, there's a 73-year-old man who recently got better in hospital after 24 hours of having oxygen. And uh, this was in Europe, and he was told to pay the bill. And when he was told by the doctor to pay the bill, he started crying. And the doctors said, oh, no, no, don't cry. You know, I'm sure we can sort out the money for it. 
The man said, no, I'm, I'm not crying about the money. I can pay the 5,000 euros for that 24 hours of oxygen. I'm crying because I've been breathing God's air for 73 years and I never paid anything. Now it takes 5,000 euros to use a ventilator in hospital for one day. Do you know how much I owe God? And I never thanked him for one single day of it. You know, when we breathe the air freely without paying, no one takes it seriously. And it's easy to take it for granted. When we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. Let's be more grateful for all the things that we do have. In this time where so many things perhaps can feel like they've been taken away, let's not grumble about that. Actually, let's be grateful for what we have and what God has given us. Don't trust in treasure like Belshazzar. Trust in God. That treasure is going to pass away anything. That thing that you can't do or you have to do differently, you know, that's going to pass anyway. But God remains steadfast and faithful to you forever. Like Daniel, let's remember that to be more is actually not to have more. That will all pass away. But to be more is to give more. Throughout the Bible, Jesus encourages us to sow generously. A rich young man, he came to Jesus and he said, what can I do to be perfect? I followed all the commandments. What do I now need to do to be perfect? He's asking, what do I need to do to be more? And Jesus says, go and sell your house and your possessions and give it all away. To be more is to give more. Giving of your money, your time, your energy, your efforts is a great way to trust in God and not in your own treasure. It's why we encourage people to give, to give to our church and, and to give to those around them through their time and their efforts. And it's why as a church, all the money that we receive from, from all those faithful people that, that give to us in order for us to spread the good news of Jesus to Guildford and, and beyond. It's why when that money comes in, we always make sure that a proportion of that always goes out into our community into local eight local charities that we support plus the national ones international ones and apostolic charities we want to give it away because we want to make sure that it's that treasure that money that comes in is never the thing that we trust in for our security but it's in god and so i encourage every family to do the same you know born in a stable jesus gave up his life not to be served but to serve he endured insult, death and crucifixion. He did all of that. And at the end of it, he still said it's more blessed to give than receive. To, do, to be blessed is to grow and become more than you were. And you don't do that by accumulating and gathering. You do that by sowing into God's kingdom. You become more by giving more. Very countercultural. Belshazzar thought to, the, to be more, even in the face of a threatening annihilation, to be more is to enjoy all the lavishness of life and to have all the goblets and the wine and the parades. And It's just not true. It led to destruction. Trust in God, not in treasure. Belshazzar put all his trust in treasure. And we see that at the time, Belshazzar, he was throwing his weight around. God gate crashed the party in spectacular fashion and he spoke to him in monetary terms. The hand that appeared on the wall, it wrote mini, mini, tekel, parsing. These terms can be translated in weight and monetary values. So mini can be translated as minor, which in Jesus' day was about three days wages. 
Tekel for shekel and parsin is the plural of Perez, which is half a shekel. It's like saying kilos, kilos, pounds and ounces or pounds, pounds, pence and shillings. But do you know what? Those um, words can also be expressed as actions, numbered, numbered, weighed and divided. Daniel declares that God has numbered your days of your reign, that you have been weighed and found wanting and that your kingdom is divided. God is saying to Belshazzar, I have weighed the sum of your life, your thoughts, your actions, your words and your deeds, and you have come up woefully short. If God was to weigh the total sum of your life and my life, how would we measure up? You know, in January, I joined a gym and you have these amazing scales at this gym where you stand on it and it not only just weighs your weight, but it also tells you how much all the individual parts of your body are. So it tells you what percentage of your body is fat, what percentage of your body is muscle, what percentage of your body is water. And over time, you obviously want the uh, fat to decrease and the muscle to increase and probably the overall weight to decrease as well. But when I stand on God's scales, I kind of want that scale to be as high as possible. The reality, though, is that the verdict of your life is the same as Belshazzar. The days of your life are numbered. You have been weighed and found wanting and your kingdom, it will end. Elsewhere in the Bible, it pits it like this. The wages of sin that you commit in your life is death. But you know what? When I stand on the scales at the gym, when I stand on it, then every part of my body is taken to account. My bones and my muscles are just a part of that weight as my organs and the whole of my being. I can't separate those things out. They are an integral part of who I am and they are included. For every single person who puts their trust in Jesus, who is alive in him, do you know what? He is just as much a part of you as your organs are and your bones are and your muscles are. They can't be separated from you and neither can Jesus from your life. So that when you put your trust in Jesus and you stand on God's scales, Jesus is standing right there with you. Along with his perfection and his grace and his mercy is standing there on your scales and They are inseparably a part of you, just like your organs are inseparably a part of you. The Bible calls you a new creation, alive in Christ, that you are justified and set free. You have been weighed and you pass with flying colours. Isn't that amazing news? There is great hope to be found in Jesus. And when we are sitting in the stands, we, we stand there watching life, but now we don't just watch like everyone else. No, we limber up for the second half. The great hope that we have to be found in Jesus, that we know that death is in the end because we have been declared by God justified. That means it's just as if we'd never sinned. And when we stand on those scales, God looks on us just in the same way as he looks at Jesus and he declares that he loves us and he cherishes us and that we are valued and significant in his sight, that we will be with him. And so 
when we're in the stands watching, when we're going through life, we're not standing there as just a normal participant. No, we've been set apart to tell others of the good news that can be found in Jesus. And so we're roaring along, going through life in the same way as everyone else. But we're doing that rejoicing in the great hope that we have to be found in him. And so we have been set apart for a great purpose to encourage as many as possible to stand on the scales with Jesus Christ as part of their lives. Nebuchadnezzar responded to the great news of God and put his trust in him. He humbled himself and put his trust in him. Belshazzar arrogantly mocked God. What about you? What will your response be to the God of heaven? Will you put your trust in him, knowing that he stands on the scales with you? Or will you mock him and just go through life drinking and, and uh, trusting in all the treasures of this world? When we go through seasons like the one we're going through right now, we realise of all the important things in life. And we in encourage all of us to be grateful for all that God has given us, however much or little, however much that compares to other people. It, it's irrelevant. We all have things to be grateful for. Let's be people that put our trust in, in him and not in the material things of this world, the, the things that make the sum total of our life as if they would ever match up to anything. Knowing that to be more, actually, we're called to give more of ourselves to our families, to our neighbours, our friends, our, our church, our community and our country. Let's be people who trust in God. Put him first in our lives. Why don't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much that you are a good and gracious God. And I pray, Lord God, that in these seasons where we can feel like um, the enemy is around and that life is tough, Lord, we know that you are faithful and you are good. And that actually we can have a firm foundation and a peace that's not based on the things on this world that might be moving and passing, but actually based on you, the eternal hope, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the one that was and is and is to come. And so, Lord, I just pray for every single one of us, for every person streaming in right now. Lord, I pray would you fill our, our, our homes, our lives with your presence and your goodness that we would know you with us right now in the midst of the storm, in the battleground. Help us to have great joy for all that you've given us to trust in you, just as we saw Daniel doing. And so I thank you so much, Jesus, that you humbled yourself from heaven to came to this earth to be with us, to identify with us, to make us alive in you. And right now, Lord, I pray for all of us. Help us to trust you, to put our trust in you for the, for the first time, for the hundredth time, to trust in you so that we know as we stand on God's scales, when we stand in judgment, actually we stand covered by Jesus. And that when you see us, you see all his goodness and all, uh, yeah, all that he is. And so we trust you and we honour you in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's worship again, shall we? Thanks for listening. Please do come and visit us Sundays, 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.